so this is, uh, this is certainly a, a different talk than the last two that we heard, um, but w was a question that was asked earlier. Um, you know, the question is, is autotransplant dead, I think, in the era of all of these new therapies that we're talking about? Um, again, same disclosure side as before. So um, I think we need to review the two pivotal studies uh, establishing autotransplant for diffuse large B-cell lymphoma. Uh, first, the PARMA study in the pre-rituximab era. And just to remind everyone, um, in this study, patients who had relapsed or refractory uh, large cell lymphoma uh, received two cycles of DHAP chemotherapy, and then were re uh, responding patients were then um, uh, uh, patients were then put into, responding patients were then randomized to either receive uh, more cycles of DHAP with or without radiation or an autotransplant with or without radiation. Um, there are about 79 patients out of a total of 215 that did not have a sufficient response to DHAP chemotherapy. In terms of predicting, um, uh, in terms of the patients who were treated, uh, about a quarter of patients had relapsed after a complete response, 34% of patients had had a PR, and 41% of patients had no response or had progressive disease to their upfront chemotherapy. Therapy. Um, in terms of response to DHAP, patients who had had relapse disease were much more likely to respond to DHAP um, uh, at a rate of 64% compared to patients who had refractory disease. Only 21% of those patients responded. And for that group in total, even patients who went to transplant, the five year overall survival was only 11%. Of note, all the patients who uh, were randomized to auto transplant had had a CR to first line of therapy. Um, uh, you can, the, this is a study that established autotransplant as a standard of care for the treatment of relapsed chemosensitive relapsed refractory diffuse large B-cell lymphoma with a, with a five-year event-free survival rate of 46% and a five-year overall survival rate of 53%. Um, and then um, that compared favorably to the um, ongoing chemotherapy arm, which had a five-year event-free survival of 12% and a five-year overall survival of 2%. Among patients who relapsed in this, in this uh, ongoing chemotherapy arm, uh, only 53% had, had less than a PR to salvage chemotherapy, and 18 went on to get an autotransplant, 16 of whom died in, uh, as a result of progressive disease. Um, these are just the curves uh, showing the event-free survival and overall survival for the transplant arm versus the conventional treatment arms, showing the benefit of transplant in this group. Um, and then uh, the, the bottom curves are the separating out the patients who were early relapsers, <coughs> meaning within uh, 12 months of initiation of uh, frontline chemotherapy versus late relapsers, which uh, relapsed more than 12 months after the initiation of uh, frontline chemotherapy. And you can see that there was an improvement in outcomes for patients who were late relapsers as a to early relapsers. So what did we learn from Parma? We learned that relapse disease does much worse than, uh, does much better rather than refractory disease, and, and in uh, particular late relapsers, more than 12 months from their diagnosis, uh, do much better than early relapsers. We learned that transplant does not benefit patients with the disease that's refractory to second-line therapy. That's, that's 16 of 18 patients who went on to get an auto-transplant um, after uh, progressing through DHAP and getting subsequent third-line salvage chemotherapy. And then in the pre-rituximab era, autologous stem cell transplant seems to cure about 50% of patients with chemosensitive disease. Then going to the rituxan era, we have the CORAL study, which took patients with relapsed refractory diffuse large bead cell lymphoma, 62% of whom had received prior rituxan, and randomized them to either rice 
uh, or RDHAP salvage chemotherapy. Um, and then every, all responders went on to get an auto transplant with or without rituxan maintenance. Um, the, the take home of this was that rice and RDHAP were equivalent as salvage regimens. Um, and patients who went on to get an auto transplant had a three year event free survival of 53%. So somewhat similar to what we saw on the PARMA study. Interestingly, just like on the PARMA study, early relapsers and patients who had, had and now adding in patients who had a prior rituxan did worse than patients uh, who were late relapsers or, or who had not had prior rituxan. Um, so just, uh, again, just the curves to show that there was no difference between rice or RDHAP as a salvage regimen. Um, and then this curve on the bottom suggests that, re, um, that patients who had a PR to salvage chemotherapy did just as well as patients who had a CR. But this study was done in the era of CAT scan restaging, not uh, PET scan restaging. So uh, what did we learn from coral? Uh, we learned that rice is equivalent to RDHAP as a salvage regimen. Uh, we confirmed that early relapse after first-line treatment, um, as well as now added prior rituximab therapy, resulted in worse outcomes. You know, this group on a whole um, uh, only had a three-year event-free survival of 23%, and that's because many of those patients did not, did not respond sufficiently to salvage chemotherapy to then go on to receive an autotransplant of the group that went... Of, of the group that went on to receive uh, an autotransplant, their uh, three-year event-free survival was slightly better at 39%. And it would appear that a PR to salvage predicts for good outcomes with autotransplant, but as a caveat that this was done in the era of CT scans and not PET-CT scan restaging. Re um, and in the PET era, we have several retrospective series from in single institutions that suggest that Doville 4 uh, partial responses do predict for inferior outcomes with autotransplant. Um, so this is a, the slide, uh, I'm not sure if it depicts any, but oh, it does look better there. Okay. Um, so, you know, I think that from these studies and, uh, and from our progress in understanding lymphoma and prognosis, um, we can identify a number of different subsets of sort of higher risk um, diffuse large B-cell lymphoma patients that may or may not do as well um, with this uh, salvage chemotherapy and autotransplant approach. So we've already talked about patients who have an early relapse, um, uh, an early relapse within 12 months of diagnosis. Um, we've touched upon the patients who are primary refractory, meaning that they have a stable disease or PD to their first line of chemotherapy. We also talked about patients who are refractory to their second line um, and go on to get a third line salvage. Uh, they don't. They, uh, only about 39% of them will respond to third-line salvage. Uh, we, now under, we now understand the prognostic impact of double protein overexpressing lymphomas that overexpress MYC and BCL2, as well as double hit lymphomas that have translocations uh, involving MYC and most often BCL2. Um, and this is a high-risk group of patients for whom salvaging with chemo and an auto doesn't seem to uh, produce the outcomes that we see with standard diffuse large B-cell lymphoma. Uh, transformed indolent non-Hodgkin lymphoma also is a group of patients that don't seem to do as well. Um, yes, the patients who get to an autotransplant may have a, um, a good uh, four-year event-free survival, but only about a, only about a, um, but uh, most of the patients do not respond to salvage chemotherapy, and in that group, the four-year event-free survival is only 27%. Um, and then primary mediastinal large B-cell lymphoma, when it, you know, the, major, the vast majority of patients will respond to upfront chemo, but patients who don't respond to upfront chemo or who relapse early after upfront chemo um, are very, very difficult to salvage. Um, only about 25% of them will respond to next line chemotherapy. Uh, those that do um, and go on to an auto seem to do okay, um, but again, only a quarter of them would fit that category. 
So go back to the slide that I presented earlier, which is what is the efficacy of anti-CD19 CAR T-cell therapies in relapse refractory diffuse large B-cell lymphoma. And we'll go back to this durable remission duration rate of about 40%. Um, and I'll call attention to the fact that on Zuma-1, all of these patients had chemorefractory disease, so they were uh, had stable disease or, or progressive disease through their last line of chemotherapy, or they relapsed within a year of autotransplant. Um, so this is a... Uh, so this this is a group of patients that you know would not be eligible. This is a 40% long-term remission duration in a group of patients that would not have been eligible for auto transplant. Um, on each of these studies, um, they uh, uh, the, on each of these studies, the, a lot of these high-risk groups that we that I outlined earlier were looked at in terms of their um, whether they predicted for better or worse outcomes following CAR T cell therapy. And uh, so, on uh, this is from the Zuma one study. So, patients with, who were refractory to second-line therapy prim- had primary refractory disease, um, had a high IPI. All of these patients did just as well um, with CAR T cell therapy. Therapy than patients who have better risk disease. Um, this is from the, um, the uh, Juliet study, and you can see that patients who were refractory to last line of therapy, patients who had a high IPI, patients who had double or triple hit lymphomas seemed to respond just as well as patients who didn't meet those characteristics. Um, and then this is from the Transcend study um, of Lysocell, and again, you can see that uh, patients with double and triple hit lymphomas, double overexpressor lymphomas, primary refractory lymphomas, lymphomas, um, refractory to their last line of chemo, and high IPI lymphomas all uh, ended up doing just as well as patients who had better risk disease. So I think you know we could add a third, uh, another column to this table that shows for, you know, a 40% long-term remission duration in each one of these categories. So the question is, comes then. The question then becomes, what what is the optimal CAR T cell timing? Should it always be in the third line, as the FDA label um, indicates? Um, so for patients who are either transplant ineligible or relapse after transplant, or should it be moved up as second line in specific subgroups of interest? And the question, I think that really begs the question is, does it matter? Um, Will CAR T-cells be more effective if you use them earlier? So should you give the patient the benefit of the doubt, give them second-line chemo, and only if they don't respond, give them CAR T-cell therapies? Or do you lose something because CAR T-cells become less effective in that third-line setting? And so this is data that Fred Locke presented at ASCO last year from the Zuma-1 study that looked at number of prior lines of therapy and some measures of response, um, as well as CAR T-cell pharmacokinetics um, and uh, the pretreatment CAR T-cell health. the health of the product. So patients who had, who had fewer lines of, of therapy had a quicker doubling time of their CAR T-cells um, in manufacturing um, and um, uh, had, a, uh, had a higher ratio of um, naive and central memory T-cells compared to effector memory and effector T-cells, which, if you remember from my last talk, the group at Penn had showed was cor- correlated with better response in a group of patients with CLL. Um, the patients who had fewer prior lines of therapy also had improved responses um, uh, uh, with uh, 91% of patients and 94% of patients responding with one, one to two or three prior lines of therapy versus 80% um, of patients responding with four and only 38% of patients responding with five or more prior lines of therapy. And uh, patients who had fewer prior lines of therapy also had improved um, uh, CAR T cell expansion um, compared to patients who had, were heavily pretreated. 
So there are, um, right now there's one open and ongoing randomized trial to test this hypothesis um, that uh, CAR T-cells may be um, a better standard of care for um, patients uh, with high-risk patients with uh, relapse refractory diffuse large B-cell lymphoma in the second line. But each of the companies, um, both uh, Novartis and um, Juno plan a similar study. Um, so uh, this study, this, this is the Zuma 7 study from uh, Kite and Gilead, um, where they take relapse refractory diffuse large B-cell lymphoma patients. Uh, the, the total is going to be 350 patients. These are high-risk patients as defined by having had a relapse uh, um, within 12 months of initial diagnosis of their uh, diffuse large B-cell lymphoma or high-grade B-cell lymphoma. And they're going to be randomized in a one-to-one ratio um, to either upfront uh, second-line um, axi-cell treatment uh, versus standard of care, where patients will get two to three line, uh, two to three cycles of investigator choice uh, salvage chemotherapy, uh, followed by a restaging. Um, that restaging will fall, fall at the same time as restaging from CAR T-cell therapy, which, you know, some of, I have to say anecdotally, some of my patients who have been randomized to CAR T-cells in this setting find out that they're in a complete remission before they would even go in for their transplant, um, which is an interesting uh, point of reference. Um, patients who have a CR or PR to salvage chemotherapy in the standard of care arm uh, will then go on to have high-dose chemotherapy in an auto-transplant, and then the non-responders will come off of the study, and those patients would be eligible for commercial CAR T-cell studies, uh, uh, commercial CAR T-cell uh, therapy. Um, the primary endpoint of the study is event-free survival, and there are a slew of secondary endpoints, uh, including other measures of efficacy as well as safety, but also patient-reported outcomes, because I think that may be an important um, benchmark um, on a study like this. Um, the, some of the other studies that are upcoming will, uh, with the other companies will differ a little bit in terms of whether patients with a PR would go on to auto-transplant or whether, as I told you, in the PET era, a PR may not be predictive of good outcomes with auto-transplant, so those patients may um, fall into this non-responder arm. Um, and then the other, their, and whether or not they allow crossover to CAR T-cell therapy. Um, but I think from a study like this, we will learn that in the selected high-risk group of patients where we think that CAR T-cells have a longer, uh, um, a longer uh, resp uh, durable response uh, remission duration, um, whether those patients um, will do better than standard of care, A. But the other thing, but it will also establish whether the outcomes are going to be better in an earlier line of therapy to then um, prompt us to think about whether this is actually a better standard of care for all comers um, with relapsed refractory diffuse large B-cell lymphoma. So, um, in conclusion, uh, CAR T-cell therapy is a new standard of care for diffuse large B-cell lymphoma in the third-line setting and beyond. Um, it maintains its activity in certain high-risk subgroups for which salvage chemo and an autotransplant um, seem to be less effective. Um, the follow-up is still short, but the durable remission duration, the durable remissions are achieved in about 40% of patients, which, you know, Again, we're comp comparing historical controls, but seems to be better than salvage uh, chemo and an auto in these groups. Um, we, there's reason to believe that CAR T-cell therapy could be more effective in earlier lines of therapy, and the, the magnitude of that, of that increase is unknown, so we'll, we should hopefully get some answers from these studies, but will it be over 50%, and, and will this be um, something that we might think about giving to all 
all-comer relapse refractory diffuse large B-cell lymphoma patients, um, and that those answers will come from the randomized trials of CAR versus standard of care in high-risk patients. Um, uh, so we'll answer whether CAR is better than standard of care for these groups, and then whether it's better enough in the second line to maybe replace autotransplant. So I don't think you got an answer about whether autotransplant is dead, but at least you under, at least maybe maybe you understand the data that we need to uh, to get to to get to that to be able to answer that question. Okay, that's it. <laughs>